Welcome to the TriTag Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTag Games Podcast, your podcast of finding out you can't go home ever again. This week, we're talking Fringeworthy, and we just lost the Earth. It's gone. It's the end of the world! Now our Fringeworthy explorers are going to have to figure out what to do next. So, John... You had some ideas about why we lost the Earth. The players may never find out what happened to the planet. All the portals are, are closed out, or they basically are giving warnings that it's intense heat on the other side of those portals. So they have no idea what may have happened, or maybe intense cold. Or vacuum. Or vacuum. That's true, too. Or they may go someplace else. In fact, let's go with the easiest one. Someone comes along and reprograms the Prime platform to someplace else. Earth is out there someplace, but until you get admin-level access to the platforms, you can't get back. So someone's come along and reprogrammed, and now we're going someplace, someplace else. And Earth is not there anymore. And neither is the system platform. And neither is the system platform. That's the easiest one to, to work with. And yeah, you got a new place to visit, so, you know, go visit. Uh, John, it, it could even be that they step from, say, a negative one, and they go straight to positive one. Well, that's the next one, yeah, because the next one is something bad is happening with the Earth Prime node itself, the entire node. So the system or Schmert or some Termelon engineer snips it out, just literally snips zero, zero of the picture. So when you step to the uh, gate at minus one, you end up at plus one, and Earth Prime is just gone. There's no Earth Prime node whatsoever. There's things that will leave the platform and nodes intact, such as, well, of course, we, go, we call it the cosmic. An asteroid hits the Earth, and when I say an asteroid, I'm not talking dino killer. We're talking something on the size of a small moon, 200 miles across. Something like that hits, it's basically going to turn the Earth into a field of lava, about a mile thick. No life there. All the ring stations are happy now. Now they can bob to the surface and wait till something, something cools. It may be habitable sometime in the future when it finally cools down, but not for a while. That, that will take a couple thousand years to cool down. Another one, either a black hole hits the Earth or the Large Hadron Collider creates a black hole that eats the Earth. Uh, and It may have already done it, and basically the French don't know about this until it finally gets big enough to start eating a lot faster. And then you're off the mission, you come back, and vacuum on the other side. Or actually, at that point, if it, if it was a black hole, I would think it would, there, would be a, there would be a large kaboom because it would try to eat one of the ring stations. And that, we know, is bad. Right. That could possibly even destroy the solar system. Yeah. That also may cause the node to just disconnect because that could actually reach onto the platform. So that could be another entire node snip. Cosmic cosmic ray burst, a really bad gamma ray burst. 
One of the premises is that you can't go back. I'm talking about a, a, a gamma ray burst that literally burns the atmosphere off the planet. Oh, well, that, that yes, that's true. And they actually, there's several candidates out there right now that, you know, could potentially do that. Isn't that happy to know? Yeah. Hey, the universe is trying to kill you, man. Is this news? <laughs> no, no, no we, we sort of know this. They actually saw a star, two stars, and they were making a spiral, and they realized the spiral was more or less almost pointing at the Earth. But they've, they've done some more tests, and it's pointing not quite at the Earth. And one of them is a, is a Nova candidate, which would that means if it went, if it went off, it would basically fire right down, its ac- down that access. But it looks like it's going to miss, knock on wood, uh, Earth. But you never know. It may, it may actually hit. Uh, what else is there? Um, oh, uh, someone comes along and steals the sun. That's not good news. Or someone comes along and kicks the Earth out. Uh, this literally moves the Earth someplace else. Uh, aliens ha- take over the planet and basically eliminate all Earth. You know, all, all humans, all civilization, sterilize the place, whatever. You know, just out of curiosity, if the sun was moved, what would happen first? Would humanity freeze to death, or would we starve out? And what would happen to our rotation? We'd fly off into space, and we would freeze to death in no time. Yeah, we, w- we wouldn't run out of food first. It definitely would get colder and colder and colder. You would actually might have a week to consider your situation. So it's, because it's not instantaneous. I mean, think about it. At night, there's no sun. Do we all freeze to death? No, we don't. <laughs> It'd be basically a long, long night. We're still getting the heat from the sun. It's just distributed in our atmosphere. And yeah. plus, e- even without the sun, we do have means of making fire. But how long would our oxygen even last if we well, don't have photosynthesis? Keep, keep and hold life? Nah, you probably got a week before it gets too cold for life. Okay, so, just curious. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's a perfectly valid question. Hey, you know, we, we mentioned, um, we were talking before the show, we were talking about zombies, and we are saying that how that could be a reclaiming, you know, we could still come back and reclaim it. But what if the zombies were um, parasitic in nature so that the fringe, so that the portal would allow them through, in which case it would be too dangerous for you to even go in there to even try and clean up the earth because you could bring something out into the fringe path and infect everything around it. Wait, if it's parasitic, but wouldn't that mean it's infectious and bad? Wouldn't the portal then, like, reject it? Like fleas and ticks and whatnot? Yeah, those aren't cleansed by the fringe paths. Well, the fringe paths makes the cl- uh, the fleas and ticks very clean, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, I remember that. Okay. Still, the nature of a zombie, a reanimated corpse, the living dead, is that... They're infested with bacteria, they're rotting, and regardless of any plausibility of how long a zombie can survive before just self-destruction of natural causes, would they feasibly be able to travel through the portal to spread and infect? Not unless they were fringeworthy. So even in death, even in death they would need to be fringeworthy. Right. I'm saying that it would be dangerous for Fringeworthy to go in there because they could then bring the infection out. Well, if we don't go in to get the infection, are they able to leave? I, I, we discussed this earlier on the transporting the sick and the dying uh, and uh, artificial wombs and so and such, but can a non-Fringeworthy corpse 
since a zombie is technically not considered alive. That depends. I mean, I'm using the term zombie, but it could be just infected. I mean, for example, like the movie 28 Days Later, they weren't undead. They were infected. But it's still the zombie genre. They're still basically zombies. So if you had something like that, but it was a parasitic infection to where you weren't undead, but uh, you were infected and you were contagious and you were somewhat mindless – it would be too, you know. It would be kind of too dangerous for you to go in there and try and um, uh, try and reclaim the world because you could, of course, bring that infection out and to carry it to other worlds. Especially if it's airborne. That's just a wait and wait until everything dies out because you know they got eat and they you know, they won't last forever. Yeah. Okay. So now you got to worry about okay, is the parasitic fungus still there? You know, do we have to actually, you know, get inoculated against the parasitic fungus? Because there are inoculations. There are inoculations against funguses, or various things you can do to fight funguses. So it's possible that it's that's reclaimable earth. I hate to say this. No matter when you deal with something like that, where you either just gotta wait it out long enough for whatever it's there to die off. It's you know, you know I think there, our purpose was you can't go back. So for that case, then nuclear war is out because you could you could go back. Yeah, people live in Hiroshima, live in Hiroshima, Nagasaki, places that were radioactive, and they still lived there. They didn't, you know, they didn't go move someplace else. They rebuilt and lived in within the within. And plus, you could get high technology from another world and come back and clean it up. You could you could probably find uh, what was it from my uh, my favorite um, science fiction stories, uh, Ghost in the Shell. They had. Uh, they have radiation micro machines. They're not nanobots, but they're micro machines, and they're designed to clean up radiation, to find fallout and clean it up. Uh, so yeah, you could possibly release those suckers and clean the place up one area at a time. So yeah, so yeah, nuclear war is is actually kind of out now. Strange wars are not out. I mean, like someone, depending on on the timeline, we actually go talk about that time periods within the French for the uh, campaign. Someone could could have brought back some gray goo. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term gray goo, gray goo refers to a what's called a nanobot assembler that doesn't have an off switch. It keeps trying to assemble more nanobot assemblers. So eventually it would turn the surface of the Earth into nothing but nanobot assemblers. Hey, and you know what's funny is, I happen to remember this, we actually talked about this on um, How Big is Big way back in the early days. Yeah. Yeah, so in this case, yeah, so it's possible someone brought back one in their fringe tech and it turned on and ate the planet. Well, at least ate the planet it got deep enough and got too hot for them. So, you know, we're talking like a, a half a mile, so a half a mile across the great Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but when you walk in Hatsumi, you're okay. You see the gray goo trying to get inside. It can't get inside. <laughs> Anyplace else, you're going to get it by the gray goo. Hey, and you know what? And there's, there's two movies we could look at. Um, and they're they're sketchy science, but what the heck this is you know science fiction we're talking about anyway. So we could go there. There's the uh, a really bad piece of science fiction, but still, what the heck? Um, you got the core, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you, yeah, I know it's it's horrible science, but 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 it's a really fun movie. But a fun movie, and, and maybe there's some external enemy of the Earth that that does it. So maybe that maybe that's the plausible thing, or the the movie. Um, Sunshine by uh, Danny Boyle, where the sun has actually lost considerable amount of its energy and the earth is freezing. It stopped fusing, basically, is what they said. Yeah, which, again, another 
somewhat implausible premise, but who knows? Maybe there's an external thing. Maybe aliens have done something to the sun. It, it science gets too crazy. There's almost there's almost nowhere left in the universe or in our I'm sorry in our solar system at that point that life can live on because there's like solar pressure that pushes planets out and burns atmospheres off and right it it, it gets too complicated. It, really, there's nowhere to live in the solar system if you're a human being. It, just just real quick, I know, we're not going to get into this because it would be another show. I don't want to get into this too heavy, but I just want to mention it as something you could you could carry over into another um, another Earth if that is your prime. So let's say you're the Bureau 13 Earth. You could you could extend this to that, but it could be Cthulhu wakes up. Oh, yeah. That's bad news. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing of all the stuff that could happen on that Earth, but uh, I'm just saying you could carry all these ideas over to the same kind of premise – but there you could say Cthulhu woke up and destroyed the Earth, and, and there really is no going back there. We're going over all of these disasters that could happen, coulda, shoulda, woulda. But um, like, like I was saying before we started, what if it isn't something so grand scheme? What if it's just natural causes? What if we go through all of our resources? What if Earth is uninhabitable just by our own overpopulating and our own overusing our resources. Let's say it's later campaign, right? We've been bringing back all these medical advancements we've been finding, and people are living really long times. And still having kids. Still having kids, right? So the Earth is overpopulating faster than ever. I mean, like crazy fast. And then there's some kind of altercation. Say a new commonwealth is forming and Earth Prime gets shut out for some reason, some political reason or something. And none of the other worlds want to trade with them because they put an embargo against the Earth. So now we can't get resources from anywhere else that we were depending on before, and now we're completely overpopulated. We could run into that situation. Sounds like a bad Star Trek episode. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying we could do that. We can make that happen. Mankind has lots of ability to make bad decisions that, that they can't step back from. There's a horde of reasons, but for the most part, your players would never know what happened to the Earth. It, it, so a lot, so a lot of this is just MacGuffin. You know, you know, there are a couple that they may know about that maybe entire campaigns based around like a planet approaching. But other than that, sometimes you just come back from a mission and there's no place to go back to. You know, it'd be neat to start a campaign off that way. You make up your characters, you go out on your first mission, you come back and the Earth is gone, and the campaign was never. Was I mean the characters might think this, but the campaign is never about working for our debt. You know, you could start your campaign off by doing this, which would be a neat. I mean, it'd be kind of an interesting thing. You might be the only humans left, uh, Earth Prime humans left. What you said is not necessarily true because then, you know, yeah, you're not working for I debt, but you're all there is of I debt. So, are you going to let that dream die? Or are you going to make that the rallying call of the remainder of your dimensional species? Is your philosophy now going to be the IDET philosophy? Are you going to build a society based on that? So do we want to move on to part two? Part two was now you're there and Earth Prime is gone. What resources do you still have? We have to go through this depending on where you are in the campaign. If you're in the early years, you're one, two, three. Freld. Yes, you're frail, but you no, you're not. Because by year four, you've, we've contacted all the known allied races in the book. We've probably made friends with the Victorians. So you're actually not frail, but you don't have the same bag of goodies you can give people like you could before. 
Now it's just you. I hope you did, did, did not tick off anyone on any one of those worlds to the point where they won't help you. Uh, I can see, definitely see Tay saying, come right in, we'll just make you part of Tay's. The Romans saying, oh yes, we definitely need your expertise so we can, so we can actually put, bring the first interminable legions onto the, onto the platforms. In a sense, you may actually have lots of resources or you may have very little, depending on how relations are with, with the allied worlds. I think the other thing you got to consider, too, is how many fringe were they were out there. How many teams were present when, when it happened? How many teams were on the pathways? Again, that, that's based on the campaign, how far along you are. If it's early campaign, which is year from fringe discovery to year five, you might have maybe the Victorians, the Slarg, I believe, is the first non-human alien race that was discovered. And the Slarg might, well, no, wait a minute, these are Slarg. I doubt that they're going to have any hard and fast allies. Um, they're moochers and scavengers, basically. Probably the Victorians would be the best bet. Actually, if you're looking for somebody who doesn't have a world, Tegax. Yeah. There's someone who can commiserate with you about losing their world. Great, I'm getting drunk with a three-foot-tall reptile about, yeah, I had a world ice once, yeah. Where's Jay Haley right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might actually find good allies in the Demixi. What we know about the Demixi is that they have a society that is almost identical to our own. Their views, their values, their attitudes, they just happen to be in a different shape body. And they also have the same tech level that we do. Well, their construction techniques are a little more advanced, but other than that, they've got computers, internal combustion engines, what have you, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Life there, the only transition would be getting over um, the fact you're living with a bunch of spiders. All your meals are liquid meals, but anyway. <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to get an apple pie there. No. <laughs> or not one you would consider an apple pie. When this happens, you got to have a rallying point. If we've snipped off the Earth Prime node, then you can't use the most obvious rallying point, which would be the hunting lodge. You know, that's a training base that for Fringeworthy, it would be the most likely place, I think, for people to go to just to say, hey, we just need a place for people to rally, someplace to leave information that everyone knows about. And then if we decide to go somewhere else, they could find us from there. But if Earth Prime and the node is gone, then they don't have that. Well, how many people are we assuming that we're trying to relocate? Are we trying to find a whole new world to repopulate? Or are we going to focus on trying to, trying to make alliances? Okay, Pip, the whole thing is is that, first of all, 1 in 100,000 people are fringe-worthy. John did the math a couple years back on, out of all the fringe-worthy on Earth Prime, how many could actively be in IDET due to age, infirmity, they're psychologically or psychiatrically incapable, or, you know, so it's going to be a very small number. If you find an entire world, that's going to be a lot of room for that very relatively small number. Right. To get a and world. then how many of those people are going to actually be in the portal at the time that Earth, for whatever reason, becomes inaccessible? Well, if it's year one, you, you might be lucky to have, both te- have two teams, maybe three. Year two, you may have three or four teams. Year three, you may actually have six teams. Year four and five, you're, you, you can probably see doubling at that point because you got a lot more people out there. Hopefully, you got more crystals, finding more fringe worthy, and creating more teams. So potentially, 
you could probably you consider you may have 10, 15 teams out there when this happens. You know, and that's usually between four and six people. So, 60 people? That sounds pretty reasonable for the early campaign. Yeah, so 60 people. And, and they're all going to be within, I say, within five nodes of each other when this happens. If Prime Zero is missing, then I would say actually plus one. The uh, That's the forest world and, and all those various things. That's actually uh, not very dangerous. be a good place to set up camp at. But let me ask this. If we have 60 people left, Earth is gone. Mm-hmm. Ida is gone. Whatever is that was on Earth Prime is gone. All we have left is the platform. And where to move on from there? How does the hierarchy work? Does somebody take charge? Are, are we going to end up killing ourselves off trying to claim dominance to decide what we're going to do? I would think, Pip, it's not going to end up like Lord of the Flies. If these people are all fringe-worthy IDET that are out on the paths... They're going to keep their hierarchy, which means usually you have team commanders and then their team. It's going to be a, a command structure. Let's say there are five teams of, of five people each. You're going to have 25 people. Those five team leaders are going to act as a, a mini committee. Okay, how are we all going to survive? And then if they start disagreeing with each other? Because... What you have to understand, and what, what I'm kind of focusing on, is this will panic people. You can't train somebody to not panic. You can train them to control it, but what are they going to do? They are suddenly the people in charge, and the decisions they make will decide the fate of whoever is left. And you have to assume you're what's left. Yeah, it also depends whether or not IDET won was on Earth or was on the, on the, on the fringes, because IDET won is Sayuri. If she was lucky and she's on the rings, on, on the platforms, she would be almost become the focal point because, well, she's got stuff in her head. She knows. Her, I think the point she's trying to get to, and, and forgive me, Amber, if I'm, if I'm overstating, once you find yourself adrift from your own world, you have to pick a good reason for going on as a society. There are human beings in an intergalactic culture full of Earth-type worlds. They could just scatter to the winds. And I did would be a dream a story that was passed down by people as they lived on various worlds, or they could stick together. And if they stick together, why are they sticking together? Is it just a kind of a valley of the strange where every time you go to a world, it's your world, but not just quite your world. So you end up trying to create a calling on a world in which there is nothing, because then you can at least make something that everybody here all has the same background. We we carry the same historical heredity, and whatever culture we make, at least we're coming from common roots. Or you could even decide to become fringe gypsies, where you say, look, there's no reason for us to stay here anymore. Let's just get ourselves some gear and let's head off down the fringe paths and see what the future holds for us. There's lots of possibilities of what these people could do once they were faced with this dilemma. The tribe will wander till they find a band of Cro-Magnons and then they'll move in and start a new society. To be honest with you, I foresee a few hardcore individuals forming a group that would try and save mankind as they see it. I foresee a good chunk of them scattering to the wind. You know, some people going and living in the Victorian world and some people living in Pax Romana and some people, I don't know, maybe even living with the Golden Horde. 
Just if you have nothing left, you may as well start over somewhere else. Create yeah. a whole new life for yourself. If you got good relationships with Victorian Earth, we're going to Victorian Earth. Bye, guys. Yes, but they do have something left. They have the promise that they made to all those worlds that they went out and contacted Zydet, saying that they would help them develop, saying that they would be friends with them and they would stand by them and form this new fledgling commonwealth because the old commonwealth is gone. They still have that promise. They could stick by that promise. Of course, there, there's also a flip side to that as well, too. Well, actually, it would definitely apply during the early years. It may not apply toward the end, but in the early years, in the first five years, some places like Golden Horde or Pax Romana or even Erd. Okay, you lost your planet. You want to come here? No. Go away. You're cursed. I mean, some of them may just treat them as being cursed because they lost their planet. They lost their world. Yeah, that would be depending on the level of the culture. You named all very low-tech tribal cultures that, yeah, they're going to see that. Now, and this term is relative... A more enlightened. Patrimonio would be kind of iffy. It depends. Some people would think that you curse. Some people wouldn't. So, but uh, but but yeah, Golden Hard. Yeah, you're cursed. Wait, I can see the Victorians. I mean, we're, we're talking about you know the Age of Enlightenment. They may want to take you in because here's oh a group of people with advanced technology, and if we take you in, we could capitalize on your knowledge, and you can keep our iPads running. Uh, <laughs> I could see the Victorians taking them in, and honestly, if they did, I could see a lot of people going to the Victorian world. Yeah, because they're guaranteed a spot on, on one of the uh, one of the Taze's squads for exploration. They'd still be doing the same job, only now for Queen Victoria or her son Edward. Yeah, because you have, and I, I, I voiced this before we started, the Atlantis base, you could just have that as the Earth Primer's home. Depends when it's unlocked. Uh, there's a land space. It's also there's the Australian Pavilion base. Okay, since we are effectively a government in exile for a destroyed world, this is our embassy. We are claiming this. It is property of Earth Prime. We are going to run it by our rules. You are letting us stay here. We will work with you because they work together anyways. They are two separate entities who just happen to be partners, Taos and IDET. It would be... Embassy, government, and exile. That's probably how Victorian Earth would do it. And it's only two nodes away. It's relatively close. They are six months out there before we were, so they're, they're first contact. So in year one, you're almost guaranteed to have at least one place you can go to and have a sympathetic ear. In, in exchange for this, um, this embassy that you'll give us, we will give you this thing called electricity. <laughs> no, no, we'll give you electricity like we have it. Uh, good, good trick on that one. Why, why say that? Do you know how to build a proper generation s- facility and transformers and that stuff? Do you care? Does your character know that? We're talking about scientists from IDET. If we're talking about sixty people, I guarantee you somebody in there is going to have some good ideas on how to get that spark started. They could at least help that with with the concepts. They might say, "Hey, look, I don't know how to make this happen, but I know in our world, this is what we had, and I know you can get there." So. And we got our we got all these computers have have the we have Wikipedia installed on them, so we at least can look at the basic concepts. We now actually have detailed plans. But we at least can look at the basic concepts and work with you folks because we know this guy knows advanced calculus. This guy over here knows how to program computers. Right. We can work together, and we yeah. Even with the the minimal, let's say there's a few scientists and the survivors. 
even with the Wikipedia that is on their laptops, there's still going to be advances on Victorian Earth, even if it's weaponry. If you got a bunch of gun bunnies that are there, they're going to sit there and say, oh yeah, that revolver, that bolt-action rifle, yeah, those are cute. Here's an M16, here's an AK-47, here's a FN-57. Even them, the, the Victorians will just be like, ooh, shiny, me want. Well, actually, they don't want. They were very clear about how they don't want it, too much technology in their world. Yeah. But guys, I really don't think that IDET is going to want to go and spend a lot of time on any world in which they're not at least equal technology that they left behind. They'll be wanting to find a world that where they can at least plug their iPads in and get them recharged right. or whatever. So, so we're back to the Demixi. No, no, no. There's actually a number of places, okay? There's the L.A. Wasteland that's actually on Plus One. It's on an alternate. There's not much of a description there in the uh, Portals book. It says that all of L.A. got destroyed by nuclear weapons, and they built a big fence around it. It said the native army is very protective of the area. But the point is, is that clearly they have nuclear weapons, so they have to at least have 40s-plus technology. There's also the Happy Place, which is an amusement park. That's also at plus one. The Happy Place? It's an amusement park. Now, it does depend on whether those portals are open or not. Well, granted, we don't know whether they're open or not, but I'm just saying is these are a bunch of places you could go to. There's also a police state, also on plus one. It says it's in the early 2000s. You know, therefore, they should have the same technology that we're used to. You know, it may not be a great place to live, but if you're a small group of IDET explorers who are just looking for a place to start getting together some technology, or if it's a really close analog of Earth, where the timeline is almost identical, except for the police state, then you could actually start using some of your knowledge to amass some money and get some resources. Uh, if the zero node's still there, you've got the junkyard. Lord knows what you can find there in terms of technology. But is it going to be useful technology? See, I see these guys as going to worlds where they're already somewhat advanced in technology. I mean, if you want to do that, you ought to go to Node 7 where they've got the starport. Oh, that's right. And, and if you go to, to Node 4 on the alts, you've got that island that's a high-tech communication thing. And it's, it is set in the year 2130. That's even advanced on our technology. On Portal 1, uh, you know, you got the LA 1994 gang war. Hey, that's 1994. That definitely is within the, within range. Right. You were to go and say, hey, we need to go somewhere where we can set up a base or work out of that's going to have a high enough technology that we feel they're comfortable with. They learn how to camp, okay? But they really, you know, you know, they've got their iPods and you know they've got their laptops with them and they want to go someplace where they can have at least equivalent technology. It's, it's just part of their of, of how they operate. Or at least their, their resident techie can at least right. come up with some sort of programs that convert their version of MP3s into the MP3 standard for their, for their iPods. We've been talking a lot about the, the early... The slash middle period but what about getting into the middle to the late period you know that that's going to change things a little bit there is a lot more fringe worthy out there a lot more fringe worthy a lot more integrated fringe worthy here you have mixed teams this is where you definitely have unless unless you want to go to war you definitely have teams that are like you may be the token earth primer on that team so there could be like several thousand teams out there busy exploring and investigating and just 
spreading out, you know, spreading the good word. Well, not only that, but you may have restarted building the, the new Commonwealth. Well, the first fallback place I think would happen in that case would be going to the iDead Bar and Grill on uh, Plus One. It's a bar and grill, first of all. What a great place to fall back to. Secondly, it's on a world in which there's nobody there. So if you really wanted to build out from there, that would be the perfect spot to start a colony. And it's real close to Earth Prime, so that if you did have some other resources, some that we haven't even talked about, like the Mars base, they have three portals going to Mars. We know there's a Tremelor installation there. Uh, some people might say, forget Earth, we're going to base our explorations out of the Mars bases from this point on. If it's the Middle and Lake campaign, that would be very doable, assuming that Mars is still around and wasn't sterilized by whatever it is that took out the Earth. Get a hold of some good Tremelon technology and start pumping it you know, onto Mars and so you can terraform it. One of the uh, reasons that I mentioned all these different places is that of all the places that I mentioned, only one of them is a world that isn't human. It isn't going to be Earth that they go to. At least it's humans. It's somebody to date. There are probably going to be music that you recognize and movies that you don't have on your DVD player that you would be lost otherwise. What do you think, Amber? Would they want to go to a world that is similar to their own because it was so similar to Earth, or would the fact that it's reminding them of the Earth that they lost be so terrible that they wouldn't want to do it? I think it would vary from person to person, because you're going to have the people who are going to dwell on the past and be full of regret, and they'll want to walk away from it. But you're also going to have the people who can't quite accept that what they had is lost now, and they're going to try and cling to what scraps of it that they can. It may be fake, but it's close enough. And the human mind, we can make ourselves believe something if we try hard enough. That we can create false memories and do whatever we have to to make ourselves comfortable. So for the people that go to the similar worlds, change a few details here and there, make yourself believe it's true, you could assimilate right into the culture without a problem. But for the people who want to get away from it, I think that they would strive to find something as different as they could, but still be able to adapt. Because if you go too far away from what you're familiar with, you may find yourself in the middle of a culture where everything that you think is normal is very exotic and unacceptable. It's kind of like how a thumbs up in America is very, very offensive in other countries. Or the peace sign. So, Amber, if you were a refrigerator explorer, what would you want everybody to fall back and, and make as your prime base? I would want to find somewhere similar, because similar causes less complications. The easier that you can assimilate into the culture, the easier it is to get your footing and know where your stable ground is to start building again. Uh, let, let's each talk about where we would go if, if it was us, because we're all individuals. So our characters, you know, and the people in this situation would be all individuals. Now, of course, you'd have to go to the world. Each world would be different because, you know, you can say, oh, I would like to go to this kind of world, but you don't know because if you go there, you might find that the society is incompatible with you. Uh, there's a lot of people who think they can live on the, the West Coast and they get out there and they don't like it because the people are different than the people on the East Coast. But it's not just you. You're leading an IDET group to that world to establish a new beginning. A ragtag bunch of refugees. 
Well, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. You may make the decision. You might say, you know what? You guys are all clinging on to a dream. I am going to go assimilate myself somewhere else. You can hold on to this old dead world as long as you like. As for me, uh, I'm going to start a new life. You know, I'm going to go somewhere that's established and Earth is gone. Get over it. You know, you might have people that do that. I could almost see me. You'd have to understand the kind of situation I grew up in. I didn't grow up in anything that was even remotely traditional. I had to move around a lot. So uh, I, I'm not into, into tradition or old school stuff. I'm very progressive in my life. I generally tend to, to move on with things very quickly. And I like change. I, I'm not one of these people who bucks change. I actually really, really enjoy change. I could see me even at some point going, you know what? Earth is gone. It was a fun ride, but uh, we're toast. And there's this really cool futuristic world with spaceships that travel to other you know other galaxies and stuff. And uh, they got this thing called hyperdrive, and you know they've got laser guns and stuff. And uh, I think I I think I might want to go live there. And I could see me maybe trying that out. The rest of the group's like, no, no, we gotta we rebuild our our world. And stuff. I could see me saying. Yeah, you know what? That's okay. You guys uh, do what you got to do, and uh, I'll see you around. If it was me, I'm the opposite of Lex. And I think that this just ties into what I was saying earlier. Um, the people are going to have different opinions. You can't really expect everyone to be together. When I sell down someplace, I tend to stick. You know, I've been living in the same apartment for near 20, 20 years now. It's not the best apartment, but I've been living here for 20 years because I'm one of those people who doesn't like change that much in terms of my personal life. <laughs> So I, I, I guess in my case, I would try to find something that's close as possible or if not close as possible, something as homey as possible. I may actually, I, I would be half tempted to, to see if I could be taken in with the, with, the, with the Victorians if I was a fringe-worthy person. So I would see the, Victor, see the Victorians as being, well, for one thing, they'd be interesting because of, the, of their culture and their technologies and so forth. So part of me would want to go there. But after a while, I get I start missing... And, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so we actually have a sort of a Commonwealth formed of sorts in the middle campaign. It's still in its you know, early stages. You have lots of friends. Lots of friends. And with Earth gone, there's going to be competition among our friends to be the new Unita, to be the new source of all goodness. And I hate to say Victorians are going to be the ones saying, that's going to be us. Because <laughs> we actually have the technology. And we've been learning that technology from Earth Prime, and we've had 30 years of, of research. You know. How would they be in advanced over the Demixi? Well, for one thing, aren't Demixi, are, are the Demixi on a altar or are they on a prime? Uh, they're a prime. Oh. And so are the Victorians now. Yeah. But the thing is, the Demixi, though, however, have the problem of not as many fringeworthy. The Victorians, however, are humans. And I hate to say this, but the, the species card may get played. I still understand, John. Why would there be less? Well, remember the Mixies are like more, like are like what what five hundred thousand? I don't think they said that. I thought they did. Oh. Uh, now I got now I got to look it up. Don't worry about it, John. There's so few of them. It's it's however many you want there to have, anyways. That's true. At thirty years or forty years down the road, there's definitely going to be a mix of humans and non-humans. And the question is, was I debt or actually, or Unita was that was the glue holding them together as a group, or, or were they together because he saw mutual benefit from that? Do some of this break away at that point and say, 
we're not getting any, any more goodies from Earth Prime, so bye. I can see them not holding together if the Earth Primers decide to abdicate their identity as IDET. That's true. What platform is Bureau 13 on? That's 13, Plaza 13. Hey, you know, because the, the closest analog I see to us is Bureau 13. I could see them stepping up. I mean, they you're talking about an, a group that's already organized, who's used to dealing with all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, they, they have a sense of goodness and uh, some of this, you know, a, a lot of the basic morals and ideas of IDET. Maybe they step up. Oh, yeah. Shay Talbot, having been the character I made for Bureau 1320, she would be like, Earth, come on in. She would because she was a, a Taos person and then transferred to IDET and then hooked herself up on Bureau 13. She'd take them in in a heartbeat. They just become bureau agents who just all happen to be fringe worthy. You got a lot of neat toys, and a lot of neat toys that aren't to Mellon in design. Yes, you know, so a lot of the alien races there that that, that exist in the Bureau Thirteen universe. So they have technology that isn't to Mellon, which could be a benefit. And, and granted, there's a lot of strange stuff that goes on in Bureau Thirteen, but at the same time, it's a very familiar world. Yeah, it's a very very close Earth analog. Yep. So you you might find your comfort there, even though you would also be exposed to things that are completely nightmarish. Well, you don't have to engage in explorations with the Bureau 13 teams. I mean, your close association with IDET means their resources are yours for what you want to do at that point. You can start relying on them versus them relying on you. And they're compatible in terms of, of uh, MP3s and video files, too. It's a parallel world where where a lot of the same culture is there. So it's a lot of the same movie stars and the, the same movies, maybe, are, are made. So it's not too different. What if John F. Kennedy wasn't killed? Yeah, the one thing you may regret now is that IDET you know, has always kept the best technology for themselves and only given the second best technology to Bureau 13 because they were advanced on them. They may now say, oh, man, why did we give them everything? Because then we really would have a backup. It does depend. We were talking mid-campaign. There may be more than one repository of your technology. I mean, don't forget, Victorians, they find something, it's theirs. If the Mixie finds something, it's theirs. Some of that technology is not going to end up in Earth Prime. It's going to end up in Victorian Prime or Demixie Prime. Now, all of it's lost. It's just that it's maybe a little bit harder to pry out of their hands at that point. Because they know they have it. So, what about a uh, late campaign? Anything change in the in the late late campaign? Definitely, there's a Commonwealth. Their Earth may not be as important as it is, say, in the early or the mid campaign. Earth Prime may just be one of many. And oh, we lost it. And that's we now we got to figure out why we lost it. That's the point in time where we might be able to figure out why we lost it. You might even be able to figure out a way to get back, or at least getting something back close enough that it doesn't matter. <laughs> we might have a few individuals who have admin access. So they go looking for the really close clones of Earth Prime that may only be just a little bit different. Maybe a different person got elected dog catcher in, in Sacramento, California. That could be the major difference. Otherwise, it's the same place. Maybe. Or maybe even you know of enough worlds that there is a there is a world that is basically Earth with no people on it, and they go, well... We've been saving this for an emergency, and this definitely qualifies as an emergency, and it becomes New Earth Prime. 
if we do have people with admin level access to the fringe path at that point, some of them may go, well, let's find out what happened and set the clock back and see, and you know, basically take the portals and switch them if they're still there and switch them back far enough to actually go through and see what happened and maybe prevent it from happening. Okay, it does. It, you're the game master. It's your gaming. Do whatever you want. But but I could see there being like uh, moral issues with that. Can you really change time? I think we said in our time travel, the the pathways say no. It's not only can you. There's also the factor of should you. What if at that point they do the thing where they think, you know, we could fix this, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe somebody pulls the it was meant to be card. Karma. Because you get into ethical issues. Then you get into the. I guess we don't really talk about God or, or you know fate or that kind of stuff too much on this show. But that doesn't mean that the people of these worlds don't think in those terms and or that you shouldn't handle that, you know, because you would have people who would say, no, 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 Earth is gone for a reason, you know, maybe we should just leave it be. And also our premise is that we can't do that anyways. Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, like entire worlds disappearing full of people, you are going to get into religious and ethical and – uh, philosophical debates such as that. I mean, th- that is going to come up because you're talking about you know billions of people dying. That's not something that people are just going to rationalize. You know, it, there, there's going to be heavy emotions involved with that. So you're you're going to get both ends of that. Yeah, especially if it's a snip event. Then they're going to be investigating why did it do this? Why didn't Schmert do something about this? Why didn't the other Tabellan technicians do something about this? What's going on here? It go from it's our world. We lost the world to we lost Boise. It literally, we lost Boise, Idaho at this point in the, in the, in the, in the 100 years plus campaign in that area. The really late campaign, oh yeah, one planet in a million million. Okay, yeah, there would still be the old home felt, this was where I was born and raised, but we have been now exposed because the really late campaign, for those of you who don't, may not know, is, what is it, 120 years and more beyond the discovery of fringes on Earth Prime. By that time, well, even if you're not fringe-worthy, you were exposed to the concept of such a multidimensionally cosmopolitan environment, there will be minimal feelings, yes, okay, fine, I lost my birthplace, I have so many other places I can go. Many of them will be very similar, if not the exact same. Quite frankly... Earth may look like a very boring rock floating in space by that point to you. You may have been to places that make Earth look like, you know, a boring pale blue dot floating in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, 120 years plus, you may not even been, you may be a primer, but only primer by birth. Oh, yeah, we, ha- we have to go back to Earth Prime one of these days just so you can see where I, where I was born. You know, your, your, your parents may be 200 years old for all you know, 100 year, you know, 200 years old because of the life extension. Of the pathways. By that time, John, it might be like a, a third world system. First off, we dealt with the Mellers. We may have discovered how to turn turn the system back on full, so anyone can go into the platform. You may not be fringe anymore. You may just be from Earth Prime. And not only that, I mean, they may have gotten the big system up by then. Richards kept hitting that the big system was operated from T Prime. If T Prime's gone, the big system may not come back up. You have to build a new big system. Depending on your late campaign, you might have a new big system up or they might be on the verge of, of opening that up and they might – at that point, they might say, Earth Prime, really? We, we care about this? It's a big deal? You definitely would have contacted some of the old Commonwealth folks who may actually know something about how the big system worked 
So there may be a, a, a attempt to, like you said, make create a new big system based off of someone else's world. A close analog would be people who grew up in the aristocracy on some of the colonies of Earth in the British colonies. You know, they grew up in another country. Yes, they're British, but. They've never been to Britain. They had a British upbringing, but still it's like, you know, if suddenly Britain was was to suddenly disappear, it wouldn't really change their lives. You know, they would just be British right where they were as they've always been. Yeah, I think in the late campaign, I think your point, Peter, is that the loss would not be felt as greatly unless a very strong culture had been built to keep bringing the fringeworthy back to Earth. The closest analog I can think of is the Jewish people going to Jerusalem. Or the Islamic people doing a pilgrimage to Mecca. Right. In the next hundred years, they'd build an almost a cultish behavior about Earth Prime to the fringe-worthy that at some point they have to go to Earth to, to see where it all began. Let's say your ancestry was of Earth Prime. You were fringe-worthy. But you're fr- both your French-worthy parents, you were born on another world, you were raised on that world. You're going to go back and say, okay, yeah, I'm going here to see where my parents are born. My last name is Pulaski. I'm of Polish ethnicity. That would be like me deciding to pack up and take a trip to Poland to see where my answers came from. I have no emotional connection to Poland. I am first and foremost an American. So, yeah, I'd be like, okay, cool, this is where my great-grandparents all came from. Other than that, it's a cute country, fine, I'm going home. But to go back to my analogy of the Jewish faith, losing Earth to the fringe-worthy might be like losing the Ark of the Covenant to the Jewish people. I mean, that happened. And they've managed to you know, change their culture to operate without it because it was essential at one point. But I'm sure that it's always a, a missing piece in their faith that they all wish was there. Like you said, with the life extension, it's quite possible you still have folks out there who were active in year one. Yeah. Gordon Carmack's still out there. He's, yeah, he's got gray hair in his head, and he's missing his house he had growing in Brooklyn. But, you know, he's out there still. <laughs> yeah, 20 to 1 ratio of lifespan if you spend most of your time on the French Pass. Which means most humans would live, what, two? You could live over a thousand years. Yeah. Like we said, there are TGEC out there who basically were probably involved in the war. Especially considering that they are wanderers because nobody seems to like them. So they keep going from place to place. But also, in in the amount of time that would pass, there would also be advances in life extension, growing new organs. All kinds of things are possible. So longevity is quite possible. Even in the late campaign, most of the Fringeworthy might actually be out on the Fringe Pass, having been born on the Fringe Pass. There's still going to be a hard cadre of people who are going to say, you know, you guys don't understand what you've lost. You've lost your soul. You've lost your heart when you lost Earth. But for a lot of folks, it's just, okay, we lost the world. It's not the first time we've seen this happen. 120, they may actually have seen at least a couple of worlds go off off grid, so to speak. So it's not the first one to go off grid. It's theirs. It, to make it interesting is to actually have other worlds start going off the grid. Then you start worrying. Yeah, if it's just Earth Prime, okay, fine. Isolated incident. If you're realizing that more, even two, I'd be like, okay, we have a problem. The same way, same exact thing. This is not a random occurrence. 
Yeah, especially if it's a if it's a reprogramming. You know, also on Earth, the Earth Prime knows been reprogrammed, and no one knows who did it. Schmertz says, "Was not me who did that to thee?" You know, and uh, it's then it, you start wondering what's going on here because suddenly things are getting reprogrammed. Who's doing it? Why is it happening? You know, could it be that the that the T primers are coming back for whatever reason? Maybe they're just waiting for us to take care of the, the mellows for them, and they're coming back. And don't ever forget the fact that um, there are Termelons who are not part of T-Prime. Oh, yeah. Well, Schmert wasn't a T-Primer. He was a parallel Termelon. And there's Termelons out there who who never gave up war. Right. I mean, we, we talked about that before, that there might be Termelons that are antagonistic. Yeah. Either because they were not raised in T-Prime's peaceful community or they're Termelon that have totally adopted a warlike culture because they found out that's the only way they could survive. They may have been peaceful. They may have been T-primers from the get-go, but they've realized the fringe paths are a war field now. Fine. If this is what I need to do to survive, this is the most logical choice, I'm there. These may be Termelon that instead of causing a resource shortage, found ways of actually, you know, husbanding the resources, but they still are warlike. They still haven't learned how to be peaceful. They still fight over things. Then they get contacted by the T-Primers, and the T-Primers go, maybe we should close this door. And maybe they don't. Maybe they just sit there and watch it. You never know why they were contacted. It just occurred to me something that was a little off the wall of what the people of Earth might do. Now, if we're talking late campaign, maybe they know the Tremelon train trick. I could foresee one of the missions, at least by one of the teams, might be, hey, we're going to go find T-Prime. I'm going to jump on this train. I'm going to crank this puppy up, and I'm going to ride this baby to the end. Maybe we can find some kind of solution or some kind of way to fix things by going to T-Prime and finding the T-Primers. You know, Maybe they can show us how to fix Earth. But I, I, I could foresee maybe a group of people doing that, going on you know, this journey to, well, what the heck else do we have to lose? You, if the rest of the Commonwealth won't stick by the Fringeworthy, the Earth Primers, once this happens, if they're all taking advantage, then, okay, it's time to move on. So we'll go somewhere else. You say Fringe Gypsies, and all I can think of is traveling fortune tellers. Oh, let me tell you your fortune. Your planet will, oh, look, not be destroyed, unlike mine. Have you ever seen that show Lie to Me? <laughs> oh, with uh, Tim Roth? Yeah, I think I saw an episode. This particular scientist has devised this thing called micro-expressions, where they look at the, the, the various half-formed expressions on your face to determine whether or not someone is lying to you. And these are, appear to be universal throughout all cultures on Earth. It's, it's actually part of humanity. Therefore, it would hold true across the fringe pass. If you decide to be a gypsy, you truly could be a soothsayer who could find yourself very valuable, uh, either getting people to open up about the truth about themselves or to be negotiators. I mean, there's things that you could do as a small group traveling across the French Pass that don't involve uh, either you being a mercenary group or being uh, a traveling bordello. And who says it hasn't already happened? Let's be honest. Some of the things we, we, we talked about was people have gone walkabout. Well, there the, the may already be a strong tradition of people going, basically picking up their stuff and you know taking their last of their pay in, in gold and say, nice seeing you guys, bye, and take him off. 
they're going to walk the pathways or, or drive or ride or whatever and see where they go. Those people there are just out there walking. Just don't mind me. I'm just passing through. <laughs> You'll see all these people, all this happening. When you're dealing with a late campaign or the very late campaign, you know, the stay-at-homes, basically the, the New Earth Primes, which were already been formed, the little colony world, the bar and grill still there, plus one still there, a prime, that's been turned into a colony. I mean, there's people living there. There's with, with houses and everything. You have other folks out there moving into places that were empty. You know, some place where a, a, a disease went through, like the Rogue 419 universe. It turns out we're, we're immune. Ah, we can live in your ruins <laughs> and rebuild. You definitely will have new T-Prime, or at least primers out there, living out there, not really worrying about, oh, you know, that's we used to live in Sandusky, but now we moved to uh, Florida. We like Florida much better now. This type of situation. <laughs> For some folks, it's very important. For other folks, it's... Yeah, Earth Prime's gone. Okay, that's... that's uh, Will it happen here? No? Okay. And that's all they worry about. Yeah, home, it depends on your past, whether home is a big connection for you. That could be the case even in the early campaign. You, you find the French paths, you realize, I can go anywhere. If I find nowhere to look, I can go anywhere. My home is destroyed. Yes, and, I mean, after you recover from that, and you're going to go through things like, oh, God, what's the term? Survivor shock? Well, especially if you have a family. Like, Waylay has a family. She has a large extended family. It's gone. Yeah. It's going to really affect her a lot more than maybe Gordon Conrad, who realizes the closest thing he had to a relationship was a date he had two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and Sayuri, I mean, she's going to lose her uncle, who is not fringe-worthy. He would have been, you know, Dr. Hatsumi would have been destroyed. So it's like... And her parents and... It depends on the dynamics you left behind. If you are someone like Gordon who, you know, lived on the streets of New York and this, that, and the other, yeah, he could care less. That's per character. He could care less, but it still will affect him, but it won't affect him as badly as it would, like, waylay or someone who's married and how his family's gone. His wife and his kids are gone. That person, he's going to definitely need some counseling because he may actually not want to admit to that fact. He may want to say, they're still out there. We can still find them. We can get them. No, they're dead. They're gone. Yeah, he could spend the rest of his life going from very close Earth analog to Earth analog looking for his family, thinking yeah. that possibly they'd be there. And, and let's say he finds them. With him there, too. He's in the way now. Yeah. <laughs> this could get very dark. That can happen for anyone at any timeline. Yes, it's 120 years in the future. You still got family on, on Earth Prime. You lose them, and that'll be very emotionally affecting. Or you could be third generation French worthy. So, great, great uncle Sid's gone. Okay. Um, yeah, all right. You barely knew Uncle Sid. You know, versus your wife is gone and your kids. That's, they're two completely different things in terms of emotional entanglement. And it can happen at any level, at any time in the timeline. You know, we we talked about where, what do we do now? You know, where where do we go from here? But we kind of touched on that. I think is is there anything that that we haven't mentioned yet that any of you can think of where where society might go, where mankind might go? You know, they've lost the Earth, but he lost it a hundred years ago. I mean, look at that campaign. Yeah, we lost the Earth a hundred years ago, but we're still out there. We're still doing things. We're still I debt, even though there isn't no Earth Prime anymore. You were recruited from the streets of Chicago, 1940, into IDET. <laughs> Let's go all the way back to Morrow Project. 
uh, concept from there. Let's say the Earth was lost, but it turns out that your characters wake up in cryosleep tubes on Earth, on Earth Prime. You know, everybody's gone. The Earth is basically uninhabitable. You, you know, you make it to the French portal and you get out, but you still live in the old days, and Earth Prime has been gone for like 100 years. That can make for an interesting campaign. Yeah. Or maybe you're transiting at the time where everything happened, and, and it basically put you into a into stasis until things got nice on Earth enough that you can come back out again. You know, right, but everybody's gone. It takes a thousand years for things to get nice. You know, <laughs> that'd be a really crazy, different kind of fringeworthy game there. Yeah, because you'd have to sit there and postulate. Okay, how was the new Commonwealth? How would all these other uh, worlds? You know, how would they have changed? How would Victorian Earth be? The Demixie? That would be a heavy-duty job for a game master. As a game master, I would not envy the person who had to do that campaign. Yeah. All I have to say about this, big bada-boom, bada-boom, big bada-boom. <laughs> okay. Bada-big. <laughs> bada-big bada-boom. Big bada-boom. Big bada-boom. Okay, I gotcha. Is there anything else that we haven't touched upon with all this about, hey, Earth Prime's gone, what do we do, when did it happen? Right now we're looking at it happened, and, you know, like I said, there's the other topic, which is it happened. And it happened as in history, it happened. And it's not much different than the late campaign. Well, no, John, it depends on how much of the culture of the Fringeworthy is linked back to Earth. That's true. Repopulation. We know that a child in the womb during gestation, if the mother passes through a fringe portal, the child is automatically fringe worthy. Could they go about repopulating, uh, for lack of a better phrase, Earth that was, or the Earth Prime, and create a whole new species, for lack of a better term, where almost everybody is French-worthy, because these are all the people that are left that are French-worthy themselves. I think that's a given. What's the likelihood of them staying together to do that? Or what's the likelihood of them all just separating and going their own way, starting their own families, staying as so-and-such? If the French-worthy mother goes to, say, the Golden Horde and marries some warrior, but never goes through the portal again, her child might be fringe-worthy, her child might not be fringe-worthy. Does she just stay there? Or would she try to incorporate her child into the life that she had before? That's up to the, the mother. She would sit there and say, okay, do I want my kid in a world, quote-unquote, in a world that is as dangerous as it is, where Apparently, there is a slight chance that the planet you're on will be totally eradicated. You know, it's like she might just decide, turn her back on the fringe paths and stay there. Or she might realize that there is such wonder and grandeur in the multiverse that I don't want to deny my child this. I will raise it as best I can to embrace and accept all of that wonder. To be honest with you, if I was a parent... You know, I had survived my planet being destroyed by whatever means that just happened, and I was going to have a child. I'd want that child to be fringeworthy. So if that happened again, uh, my child could escape uh, that situation too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, also I can see with teams. Some teams would have a falling out. Maybe some teams are together, 
because of the mission. But they don't, when they go back to Earth Prime, they don't, you know, they don't party together. They don't do anything together. They go off and do their own things. So some teams may just disintegrate because they no longer have the mission. You may have one gung-ho guy, but the rest go, screw you, and, you know, they're going to try to hook up with someone else that they think is, you know, better off. Or maybe just find some place they can sell it down and raise cabbages and throw rocks at rabbits. I think it's unrealistic to think that more than 50% of the people would want to stay on mission. You would really have a dwindling of at least 50% of people who would go on to other things. Yeah. So then we're doing it for the money. Well, there's no more money. So, uh, what now? You know? <laughs> I could see that knocking the fight out of some people being like, you know what? Game over. I'm honestly, I'm going to go settle down and have a family, you know, on Victoria or where, where, you know, whatever planet you decide, whatever world you decide to go on. And that's mostly early and mid for react for that kind of reaction. I think later on in late and very late, it's may not be as much. I can see this turning into a very bad cliche movie. Have you ever wanted to marry the queen? Now you can. Your very own queen on platform. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it sounds an awful lot like a lot of anime that I've seen where, you know, here's a woman. She lives a very quiet life and she gets married to a guy and she uh, raises a, a child and the child gets to be 18. And she says, son or, or daughter, there's something I need to tell you. And then she explains that she used to be this interdimensional explorer, but she decided for a quiet life. But if you want it, it's still there to go for it. That's right, because I, I walked to the portal while you were st- I was still preggers with you, so you can do this. I can see with this happening, there's going to be some people that are utterly heartbroken by the losses. And they don't want to face any more loss. And they're going to go to some world, and they're going to find a nice, quiet life to live. The first couple of years, especially if there's only a handful of friends, really, after something bad happens, they had some casualties, so he sits there and looks at looks at the at the female team member and says, "Well, I am now the last man on Earth Prime." <laughs> I don't think that's going to work any better than it would have before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At that point, she shoots him and says, "Yeah, I can go find better elsewhere." There's going to be some die off, but the players I think are probably going to want, unless they decide to simply become. As I said, fringe gypsies, they're going to be the ones like in the road. They have the fire inside. They're going to be the true believers. They're going to be the ones that are going to quest for the answer. You know, they're going to pick a goal, and it's going to be their, the goal of the campaign to achieve. And that they're going to achieve, you know, come hell or high water or Meller takeover. But they're going to keep to it because that's the guiding principle for their character's motivation. Actually, that's a good point there, is when do you introduce this concept of losing Earth? Is it session one, you do it in, in, in situ, you know, Earth is gone, or do you actually go four or five sessions and then you spring it on them? You know, and, and you make sure you actually you have, like, two sessions on the fringe pass, one session on Earth, so they actually have some ties and some emotional involvement, especially if you make sure they, they have families, or at least has some sort of relationships that are not fringe-worthy uh, back on Earth Prime. Bruce, how would you do this in your campaign? 
Well, this would depend on how gritty I wanted my campaign. If I was playing a very heroic campaign, Mm -hmm. I would do it from the get-go because this is it. This is your character concept. You're going to go with it. But if I wanted it to be a more gritty, realistic campaign, then I would do what you say and pull the rug out from underneath them and so you know, with the idea that these characters are going to be motivated by their own deeper, dark desires and the pain that they now have inside them. So it's, it's a difference in tone. By doing this, you're taking away Earth. You're doing something which should have tragic consequences and motivations for the characters, unless you're just doing it as a means of ignoring Earth, which is some people do. I mean, a lot of campaigns do have anything to do with Earth. I that gives them their missions. They go off and explore worlds. They never go back to Earth, or it's just not important. So you could do that just to, to change things up. But if you wanted to drive a, a more darker, angsty-type campaign, then definitely I would let these people get comfortable before I pulled the uh, rug out from underneath them. And imply that there's threads going on on Earth Prime that they're going to need to follow up, so they actually so they're completely fooled when they, they go back and no, no, home's gone. And Gordon says, "My book deal." <laughs> you don't want to do this to players if they really get into their character and they've read up a bunch of history and stuff and they've done some of the stuff we suggested before about making friends with people on the iDead base. If they're making up their characters or they've invested a lot of time making their character and writing a lot of stuff that roots them into the world, you probably don't want to do this to them. Right. Or if you do, make sure that they get out. So if they have written up a, you know, an exaggerated history with the supply sergeant, uh, you make sure that the supply sergeant survived. I almost recommend never doing this if, if you have a current fringeworthy campaign and you're into session 50 or so, don't do it. Because, yeah, that would be a lot, it'll be, it could be even more painful than, than doing it in, say, session 6. Oh, but you might want to then. You might be looking for a big change. That's true, too. It really depends. And I hate to say this, you may want to just ask the players. Yeah, don't spring it on your players. Unless they knew from the get-go there was going to be some big tragedy coming up. Don't be one of those evil GMs and say, and now everyone you know is dead! Ah! <laughs> my friends, my loved ones, my family, they're all dead. But so is that jerk that knocked me over at school. That's right. Billy Jones, who spit in my ear in sixth grade, he's dead, dead, dead. Yay! Something happened to Earth Prime. But the node's still there, and the system platform's still there, so there's a potential mission from Mars to find out what happened to Earth. Well, you can find out what happened. You may not be able to land, but at least you can find out what happened. And then you're back to the same position, which is where you're going to go from there. And, and frankly, if there was a Mars base that was able to launch such a mission, that would be a very good likely place for them to fall back to and start afresh from, because it would have all of the accouterments of home, because they all would have been brought from Earth, because that's the sort of thing that makes it homey when you're in a foreign place like the moon or in on Mars. And they're totally dependent upon the French radio to keep them supplied anyway, so you just don't have to go make an extra trip down to, say, Victoria, Victorian Prime to get, get, get the groceries now instead of going to Earth Prime. That's something you definitely you want to do is get buy-in from your players. The end of the world may not be the end of your campaign. Earth Prime may be gone, but you still have options for your characters. They have things they can do. They have places they go. They have people to see. They have potentially new adventures. They may want to answer the question, what happened? They're IDET. They're Earth Prime, and they're the last best hope. 
for mankind, and it's up to them to carry on the tradition of their people and of their planet. Until next time. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.